This is the Summit Life Ministries audio experience. Hey everybody, welcome to the Age Changer Show brought to you by Summit Life Ministries. My name is David Furrow. This is my dad, Lynn Furrow, also the founder of Summit Life Ministries. And this is my mom. Uh, Our mission at Summit Life is to elevate, equip, and empower. Elevate the church's vision to see God's eternal purpose. Equip believers to live with an eternal perspective, but then also empower believers to live supernatural lifestyles in faith-filled obedience. Now, Mom, welcome back to the show. It's <laughs> great for, to be back. Been off for a little bit, but it's, it's good to, to be back. have you back here. So. Thank you. And you guys have been doing Hell's Best Kept Secret. Yes, we have. And we had started a while back, and it's been. I hope you guys have been enjoying it. I've been enjoying it. Um, just as a kind of a recap, you talked about how um, the disciples were very excited because they came back after going out and they said, it's amazing. Demons are subject to this name. You you said we could use your name and, and drop your name. And there's there was a result and it was this, this name of you, you're this man on the earth. And so they were so excited and Jesus, um, I think your phrase was times they are a changing. Yes. That Jesus is indicating that that there's a change in this a age, shift. a shift yep. happening. And then in in First Corinthians um, two, um, you talked about how if the princes of this world had known that um, the thing, the, what they were doing, if they would have known the plan, they mm-hmm. wouldn't have yep. done what they had done. They wouldn't have crucified the Lord of Glory, but yep. they didn't know. That they were getting caught in their own craftiness. They caught didn't know that that trap. was happening. That's right. So um, today I know you wanted to talk about um, how is Jesus going to separate the destiny of Satan and a man? Because we talked about how Satan's plan was to to mix them so that um, they couldn't be, that, that our destiny, destiny couldn't be extricated from Satan's destiny, that we would be judged together. So what's the plan? Yeah. Wow, Carmen, that's a power word, extricate. Extricate. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to write that one down. That is definitely not in my vocabulary. (laughs) Well, hi, everybody. Uh, As we talked about uh, last week, we had taken two weeks and taught another series, but we're back on the Age Changer series. And specifically, we're on these segments called hell's best kept secret because we want to expose something that the devil wants to remain a secret he doesn't want this truth to get out but before i launch in based upon some of the statements that uh, carmen shared uh, i want to let everybody know a secret here (laughs) on the set of the age changer show (laughs) we have if you watch this now for over a month We have a script that we go by, and that script is we want to continue to repeat, remind everybody about the mission, and then David introduces me uh, as the founder of Summit Life Ministries, but also as his dad. And I don't know if you noticed that uh, it is a, a tender, kind moment between father and son when my son has to introduce me and I turn to him because I'm looking at the camera and smiling yes. and I turn to him while he does this and I just kind of look at him with a twinkle in my eye and it and it sometimes it triggers this laughter in my him. dad's a trigger for me <laughs> uh, so 
uh, we may have to work on another lead-in uh, because we we don't have a lot of time for multiple takes. But uh, for some reason, I tickle his fancy when he does that, and I smile at him a certain way. I thought it pulled it together nicely. <laughs> you did. I didn't even you notice. Did. So you did a great job. But every time I this is a moment of faith when I turn and smile to him, saying, "Oh, I hope I did not." Send him over the edge and get him <laughs> laughing and giggling. Okay, let's get into this because we want to go deeper yet and talk specifically how Jesus revealed the wisdom of God and the power of God. Mm-hmm. How that his wisdom came out of simplicity and what the world would have judged as absolute foolishness. No one would say that if we were strategizing, how do we overcome death? How do we overcome Satan's greatest weapon that mm-hmm. he's fashioned against mankind? This used death to destroy <laughs> death. That makes a lot of sense. So God says Satan has crafted a device, a weapon in which he's able to to seize man and through the fear of that weapon, he can manipulate him, control him, subjugate him, and then also uh, control his ultimate destiny, his ultimate fate. Mm-hmm. And, and so it looks like Satan is in the power seat. He's in control over mankind. And that's how through this stolen power, he is able to enslave the human race. I would think that we need to say, okay, let's come up with a strategy where we just um, do not in any way use death to destroy death. Let's just introduce another form of life Mm -hmm. and uh, come up with an alternative for death, period. And ultimately, God is going to get there. But the Bible says that God caught the crafty the seducer, the deceiver, in his own craftiness, and through what appeared to be foolish and weak, what he did was he displayed uh, the wisdom of God. Uh, God is God all by himself. No one is his counselor. No one can advise him. He is the all-wise God. Same thing with with his power. He is going to display his power through what would be, we would consider, apparent weakness. Why do you want to limit yourself in time and space, become a part of your creation, uh, and really look like a slave? Look like uh, what what you have been able to subjugate. Mm -hmm. Take upon the form, a, a human form, but also in the form of the lowest class, of humanity, the form of a slave, the form of a servant. But through that weakness, God is going to, by stealth, release the greatest display of his power, his wisdom and his power. So that's where we uh, left off in in last week's episodes. So what I want to do today is I want to go specifically and, and talk about the spiritual and legal work that Jesus did Mm 
to set man judiciously free because the name of God, him being righteous and just, is at stake. We've talked about if he forgives man and Mm -hmm. judges Satan, man and Satan have committed the same spiritual crime. Mm -hmm. They're both rebels, and Satan knew that. That's why he, he joined himself to man to either have God experience the loss of this aspect of his creation where God would have to judge it. You know, the son that he loved, Adam, when he formed him in the garden, and obviously there was a destiny that surround and intent that surround his creation. Or God was going to have to say, I don't want to lose Adam. I don't want to lose Eve. And so I will forgive them. Well, the same forgiveness would be owed Mm -hmm. to Satan. So I want us to look at a passage in James chapter 2. And I want us to look at verse 13. And I'm going to consult some notes more carefully (laughs) because I don't want to miss any part of the explanation Mm -hmm. of how God, through Christ, reconciled us back to God, back to himself. But he did it in a just manner. He did it without violating his own character and his nature. And so we read a number of weeks ago the uh, quote from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, mm-hmm. where it said that Aslan said about the uh, witch that she did not know about deeper magic. Right. Well, we're going to talk about an aspect of the law of God that Jesus won for us a victory that we could not win ourselves. He set us free from the power of Satan, power of sin, and the power of death by this law. It's amazing how when lawyers go to court, how that sometimes the best lawyer is the one that studies the most, that knows laws, precedents, Mm -hmm. better than the other. And sometimes lawyers are able to pull from the history of law Mm -hmm. certain precedences and cases that would inform something that is a contemporary issue Mm -hmm. and that simply because they know the law better than the other, they're able to win their case. So this is something that James said in James chapter 2. He says, so speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy. I want you to listen to this. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Jesus taught us this. He said, be careful lest you judge someone else because the measure of Uh, by which you measure out them judgment, that is the standard that you're going to be judged by. Mm. And so he warned us that blessed are the merciful, for they will what? They will obtain mercy. mercy. But he said, judge not lest you be judged yourself. And that scripture has been misused and abused to say, Christians can have any judgment whatsoever, and that no is not what no, that no, is no. not what Jesus was saying. He he said, "You better be judging righteously, right. 
And so when you make judgments, you better be factoring in mercy. Mm -hmm. You better be factoring in compassion. Because as you are judging others, unless you are factoring in mercy and compassion and and the other factors, um, then whatever, however you judge, that is how you are going to be judged as well. So he, the, the first uh, statement that he makes is judgment is without mercy to the one who shows no mercy. Yeah. That is the law that Satan was banking on. Hmm. But then the scripture goes on to say this. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Yeah. So Satan is banking on the law that says that judgment has to be mediated out towards those that are guilty Mm -hmm. and that those that do not deserve mercy should not receive mercy. But then there is a deeper magic here. (laughs) There is something that informs what this says. It says mercy triumphs over judgment. But in a case, in in a court case, I cannot show mercy to someone who who has been victimized by someone else. Or excuse me, I cannot show mercy to a criminal, to someone who has victimized somebody, mm-hmm. if I'm not personally connected to the crime. Yeah. So in other words, if if I do something that hurts and harms Carmen, I can't have somebody from uh, Zimbabwe, Africa, simply say, well, Lynn, I forgive you for what you've done for Carmen. Mm -hmm. We would say, do you even know what Lynn did to Carmen? Do you even know the case? Mm -hmm. Do you even know how she was brutalized or victimized or hurt or harmed by this? So a judge would be considered an unjust judge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If, in fact, I take and I look to the criminal and I say, well, I'm a merciful judge. I have mercy upon you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Carmen, the family, everybody that knows what has happened to Carmen would stand up and we would point the finger to the judge and we would say, you are an unjust judge. You had no right to show mercy to this criminal for what he did to her. But it completely changes if Carmen turns to me, if I'm the criminal, mm-hmm. which obviously those that know Carmen and I, <laughs> we would know that in our in our relationship, I would be the criminal. I would be the transgressor. I would be the one that makes the mistake in the relationship. She's a saint. She's an angel. I get it. Matter of fact, when we talk sometimes during times in our family where we talk about uh, sharing uh, our, our, <laughs> our strengths that we see in a person and, and, and we just love to bless and empower the person. We'll go around the table. What is it that you love about this person and how can we 
uh, bless and empower that person. One of the things that all my kids go around and they say, mom, you're a saint, you're an angel. I'm talking about saintly angel, angel that's a saint. It's it's always derivative of those those terms and phrases. The exact terms are usually, you're an angel on earth. Yeah, an angel on earth. When it comes to me, <laughs> I think the only thing that they say about that's angelic about me is that I am a fallen angel. Uh, no, just that kidding. That's not what we say. There's no saintly, no angelic thing that they ever say. So I get it. I have to cast myself, <laughs> cast myself in the role as the transgressor and where she is the victim. But going back to my spiritual point, I'm having fun in this episode, if you haven't noticed. I've teased David. Now I'm talking about He's the in dynamic the in our relationship yes. with Carmen and I. But, you know, knowing that my kids love their mother more than they love their dad, <laughs> it's become a growth experience for me. It's not more. Me. It's just different. <laughs> different. Yeah. Not more. Just different. They love me differently uh, than they do their mom. But that's okay. She has been a, a very tender nurturer uh, of of her children's heart, and she protects them from, uh, and did protect them from uh, their father's discipline. So they have appreciated uh, things at a greater depth. Let's okay. get back to my court case. <laughs> get back to your court case. I need case, some justice. Where I stand ready to be condemned by a righteous judge. <laughs> Convicted. <laughs> So if somebody else from out of our relational sphere gave me clemency and forgiveness, mm-hmm. all of the family would rise up and say, that's an unjust judge. Yeah. That, that is a wrong standard for justice. Mm-hmm. This wrong cannot stand. Yeah. Everybody would say that. And all of us, when we see that happening Mm -hmm. in our country, or we see that happening in any form where justice is not carried out, boy, it it strikes at us in a very deep way. Yeah. Uh, Because truth matters and justice matters. Because sometimes that's the only way that a wrong thing can be made right. Uh, And sometimes wounds and, and, you know, crimes and, and transgressions are so deep mm-hmm. that there has to be a consequence. Yeah. People cannot just continue to do that. So there has to be corrective measures. Intervening discipline uh, by the law has to come in and change things. But what happens if Carmen says, this crime was done against me. This transgression was against me. And I could demand the complete payment Mm -hmm. for the the crime, whether it's in years or whether it's uh, in a fine or whatever. I could demand justice to the fullest extent of the law. I could demand that. But instead, I choose to forgive. Mm -hmm. I choose to say, I'm going to show mercy and I'm not going to demand justice. Okay. This is how mercy triumphs over justice. Now it has to be 
the person who has had the transgression against or maybe a family member that is associated with them could also say, I forgive as well. Mm -hmm. But it has to be the one that the crime and the transgression has personally affected. Now, we're going to stop there. Sorry we got sidetracked and in some humor today, but I hope that that helped you pay attention to the show. But we're (laughs) going to get back on it in tomorrow's episode, and we'll pick it right up. The court case between Carmen and I, all right? (laughs) No. Uh, I want to talk about how Jesus did this Mm -hmm. in the court of heaven. So good. That's good. At, on behalf of the children, I would just like to say we love you both. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, David. Appreciate it. Just in a different in way. In a different way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, guys, that's all we have for you today. Guys, if you have questions about today's episode, make sure you put them in the comments below. If you have uh, and you just want more information about Summit Life Ministries, make sure to check us out at summitlifeministries.com if you want to get updates or just all things Summit Life. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, subscribe to us on YouTube, guys. But guys, we, all three of us, we love you guys. We appreciate everything that you guys do for us and are for us and all the support that you guys give us. But thank you guys and God bless. Bless you. Love you. What's up, everybody? This is Josh Furrow from the Summit Life Ministries team. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and have a blessed week.